episode 102, everybody, with on-air radio personality Leanne Summers from WGAR 99.5 Cleveland Country Radio, and I really appreciate Leanne coming on, and we didn't really talk much about radio or career. We sprinkled some of that in, but our main focus in this conversation was really about her adoption efforts as she's in the process with her husband currently trying to finalize an adoption with a young girl, 10 years old, coming from South America, uh, Colombia, and uh, just incredible, incredible. If you have any interest in this, um, what I'll call an unknown part of our lives, just adoption, the adoption process and what goes on, and we were just scratching the surface, but Leanne provided a ton of insight and a ton of information into the process and procedure and everything that goes on behind the scenes and, and, and the emotional aspect of it as well. So I appreciated that and appreciate some of the other things that we get into throughout this episode. Uh, but before we get there, folks, if you haven't yet, please click subscribe and join the family, whether you're doing it on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform, please subscribe. Join the family. The Optimal Life family is growing. We are at uh, episode 102. And again, the best form of marketing, the best form of getting the podcast out there Share it, please. Just share it with your friends. The word of mouth, everywhere everywhere I go, more and more recently, people are saying, hey, I listened to your podcast and I came across it because my friend or my wife or my husband or my brother, somebody I know told me to check out this episode. So I really appreciate that, guys. Continue to share it, spread it, and um, we will continue bringing you fantastic content. And with that said, fantastic content. Here we come, episode 102. Please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Leanne Summers. The Optimal Life. Leanne Summers, welcome. How are you doing? Hi, Nate. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for doing it. I really appreciate it. And I know how busy you are. You're like, you're, you're, you're so hard to get a hold of these days. How's it? It's a little crazy right now in life. How's, so. how, how, why is it so crazy? What's going on? Well, my family is in the process of adopting a 10-year-old girl from Colombia, and I don't know if you have any concept of the amount of paperwork and what you go through with international adoption, but it basically takes over your life. (laughs) Wow. How long ago did you start the process? So it's kind of an interesting story because um, our soon-to-be daughter really when I say she showed up on our front doorstep, I really do mean that. Um, so we, to the answer to your question is we started it probably August, August 1st. And we, we found out about this nonprofit, um, company agency organization in Los Angeles. They are called kids save all one word, by the way. And what they do is they advocate for older child adoption. And by older child, that can mean like age five and up. Mm -hmm. Typically, a lot of people who want to adopt will just kind of gravitate towards infants, newborns, toddlers, at least here domestically. But um, the children who have been in orphanages or foster homes, I mean, even here in the U.S., the, the greatest risk is that they don't find forever families and that they stay institutionalized and that eventually they age out of the system and they age out with no family, no support group, no 
understanding of how the world works, how to use your debit card, how to pay your bills, how to hold a job, basic skills. And so these kids become most susceptible to human trafficking and gangs and all other kinds of false, of, you know, false protection and false sense of belonging and, wow. and you know, round and round we go. So we were presented with this opportunity through the Kids Save organization to host, uh, a, well, at the time she was nine years old. She turned 10 uh, the second day we had her here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um, they said, hey, we got this summer miracles program. And this is where we bring in kids from all over the world. We place them with American families. And, you know, our only job at that point was to give her the summer of her life to um, not only show her how a family operates, how, you know, a family unit, you know, respecting boundaries and showing love and loyalty and consistency, how all that works. But in addition to that, um, show her a good time. Like she'd never ridden a bike before. We got to do that. She had never um, got to swim before, like in a swimsuit. We got to do that. So our family experienced some really precious, like first time things that um, we were hoping she would never, ever forget. That's that's incredible. I mean, let's let's just stop there because that's absolutely amazing. But I, I want to hear a little bit more about this because how when did I know that you just got introduced to it fairly recently? This this organization. Yes, but, but, really recently. I mean, is has adoption has adopting been something that you and your husband were? interested in for a while how did this all come about what what brought what navigated you to this agency well adoption has been um a close storyline to our family and that would probably take too long to explain all that but yes my husband and i had considered it um i also serve on my church's adoption ministry team so we're we're pretty passionate about finding uh kids forever families and you know if if you are a believer, I call myself a believer. Um, we believe, like, with our church, our church ministry's mission is that, like, Jesus Christ adopted all of us. So, adoption is like a foundational love of the gospel. So, we were like, okay, adoption just works for us. So, we always kind of thought that, well, if we'd give it a chance, we would do it. We would definitely do that. So, when we were presented with this opportunity, We really did approach it with, hey, for five weeks, we're going to host her. Like, we're not going to go in with this mind frame that, well, yeah, we're doing this to adopt her. It really was, let's just host her. Mm -hmm. But after we spent five weeks with her, we knew. Like, we knew. We're like, there's no way. We, We would live the rest of our lives thinking there is no way. What happened to her, you know... Did someone step forward for her? Did somebody offer her just a chance at having a future? Um, Did that happen? And like my husband and I were just looking at each other one night. We're like, but if we don't step forward for her, who will? And this isn't just another nameless, faceless orphan. I mean, we are in the midst of a global orphan crisis. There's 150 million kids around the world without families oh my like let that settle right wow. so like 
our little girl is just one of those 150 million kids. But we were like, okay, well, we can't save the world. Let's be honest. We can't save the world. But we do have this extraordinary opportunity to change the trajectory of her life, to to change one life. And we just felt it. We It, it did. It felt like a calling. It was like, okay, well, we're going to step up and... Yeah, I'm we're sure you're like, sure this, is, this is the, it was probably devastating for you guys to have to say goodbye. You're like, we don't want to say goodbye. Yeah, so it was, it was a little tough. Um, I think I was the most grounded one. <laughs> <Everything. Yeah. laughs> um, my husband and my son were falling apart. Yeah, um, I'm sure. I was, I was like, you know what, if it's meant to be, if, if, it, if that's the will for our lives, then it's going to happen. There's no need to freak out about it. Now, it's just whatever will be, will be. Does she understand in those five weeks while you guys are together, does she understand like her place in this world and, and the unfortunate circumstances she's been exposed to? Or what's her, what's her take on her position? Great questions. Um, obviously, only being really just trying to love on her for five weeks we didn't really get into um, a lot of her story because, you right. know, anytime a child is removed from their biological family, it is always because abuse, neglect, trauma, something has happened mm-hmm. to have that child removed from their biological home. And and that is always the beginning of a lifetime of questions, you know, sure. of probably questioning self-worth and, like you said, my place in the world. So we didn't feel comfortable asking her to uh, explain all that. And to be quite frank, our our Spanish is good, but it's not that strong. <laughs> and her English was decent, but not yeah. that strong. So I don't think I would have gone down quite a sensitive topic, road of sensitive topic like that. Sure, but, sure. What, what country is she from? Uh, Colombia. Oh, Colombia. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and you have to say it like that, you know that, because we Americans will butcher Yeah, anything. of course. If you asked me, I would so, have said Columbia. So. Columbia, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I quickly learned being, yeah. like, I've joined a support group for other families who are adopting from Columbia, and they're like, Columbia, South Carolina, don't say it like that. <laughs> now, what is your, yeah, I, I'm, I understand that. What is your son, how old is your son? Uh, my son is 11. 11, okay. So they're about the same, you know, close to, close to the same age. They're so, a year and a half apart. Does he understand the magnitude of what you guys are about to embark on, or is that, a, is that an unfair thing for an 11-year-old to be able to recognize? You know, maybe the average 11-year-old might. Um, Roman, is, Roman is very special in that way. Um, he has uh, just this really... Different. I don't. I try to think of a better adjective than that. Like he has a, a level of sensitivity that lives within him that I don't see in other children. Um. So he absolutely, like without a doubt, understands like the gravity of the situation. Wow. And that was another thing. My husband and I were like, you know, he, does he like? Does he understand that? Because being an only child for all this time. There's, there's a lot of transition. Yes, it's a beautiful love story. It sounds a little fairy ish in moments when you're sharing it with people. But the truth is, this is a massive shift and a massive transition for our family. Oh, man. And does he get it? Does he understand? 
hey, buddy, you're not, you ain't number one, not by yourself anymore. Sure. <laughs> just share that. Yeah, that's a long so, time to be by yourself and, and the center of attention, and now this yes. whirlwind's coming through here. Absolutely. A completely new life ahead of him, yeah. But he also firmly grasped that, that his soon-to-be sister has nothing. Like, she's got nothing. I, I posted a picture on my Instagram and my Facebook um, of the first time we laid eyes on her at the airport. We had to pick her up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she's walking, she's coming down the escalators in baggage claim. It's a scene out of a freaking Lifetime movie. And, like, I'm tearing up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at this precious little baby. And she comes walking across to us with this backpack and I was I would learn within the first 24 hours that everything she owns in life was in that backpack oh my gosh and when I met her like I was so taken with her kindness and her generosity you know I'm pretty sure things are not in abundance in her world yet I found her to be so generous and loving and kind and it's that old adage, right? Our kids teach us. Like, the children are truly the teachers. Sure. And I was like, you know, if someone handed me a backpack and said, Leanne, you, you may have one backpack. Fill it with whatever you want. But you get to have one backpack, and that's what you're going to own for the rest of your life. What would I put in it, number one? And then number two, would I still find myself a kind, loving, generous person with my things? if that's all I had in life was in that backpack. So wow. She we had a great summer with her and she, she was quite the teacher as well. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine. So that, those 5 weeks had to be unlike anything you've ever any 5 week period in your life. She goes back and, and now take us through what's the process now for you guys to become her full-time adoptive parents. Yeah, so she leaves on August 1st. And we ended up leaving on vacation shortly thereafter. So for a couple weeks, it all just came to a halt because we weren't weren't even in the country. So Mm -hmm. when we come back, we decide that, yeah, we're we're not, that's the one that's not going to get left behind. So let's go. So we let kids save know first. And they were like, well, you know, there's this whole process, but because you guys hosted her, like it kind of will be expedited. Like for instance, if you talk to another family who has gone through international adoption, you can hear stories of wait times of two, three, four, five years to right. bring your child home. But excuse me, it was such an extraordinary circumstance because we hosted her because she is what they call a waiting child, which means that in the country of Colombia, she is, she is legally adoptable. Whereas, like, here in the U.S., if you foster to adopt, a lot of those kids, you can't adopt them because the state is still trying to reunify them to their biological family. But with her, she was legally adoptable and in expressing a desire to have a forever family. So a lot of those key components that other families have to wait for were kind of served up on a platter to us. And the fact that we hosted her, too, speaks volumes to Columbia. Sure. So, uh, so you're okay. So you tell them this this organization is kind of the middleman between you and the government. Is that how it works? 
Kind of. So at this point, we've added in an actual adoption agency because when you and I first started, I was sharing that Kids Save is a nonprofit organization. They are not an adoption agency, but they are, they advocate for older child adoption. So we had to find an adoption agency. So we went with their partner, Holt International. And um, we got this process, excuse me, called a home study. And a home study is basically um, a social worker, like from the Cleveland area for us. She comes into your home. She does all kinds of, (laughs) you do a psychological evaluation. They they crawl through your finances. They crawl through your medicals. They look you upside down, inside out. And I love it. I'm not complaining. I think for the safety of any child, you should have to go through this. Absolutely. Once the state of Ohio said, yep, we we think that this family is, is good. We're, we stand behind them if they want to adopt. Once we got that, you then start what they call the dossier, which is an even more intense round of paperwork. <laughs> we've been fingerprinted like six times. We've done like three physicals. We've turned over every tax document from from the time we were born. I mean, it's insane. And I'm just scratching the surface. I'm kind of making light of it. Right. But our dossier um, was sent to Columbia. Actually, we had to send a letter of intent. We had to tell the government that our intention was to move forward and adopt Hannah. And um, they accepted that. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to wait. We'll kind of, I hate putting it this way, but I know you'll understand. We're going to pull her off the market so nobody else can um, step in and adopt her while you guys finish up your paperwork. Again, most of the time, families do it in the reverse order. They start the adoption process, and then they get assigned a child. We had our child first without the paperwork ready. <laughs> so does the child, is she, is she expressing, yes, this is the family I want to be with? You know, we're so grateful that, yes, when she went back to Colombia, like, before she came to the States, she spent two weeks in, like, a prep camp where they were like, okay, this is how you act in America. This is what they eat. This is how they dress. This is how they do things in America. And um, they prepped her to spend a summer with us. And then when she went home, they gave her like a weekend, like a debriefing weekend. And during that weekend, she is asked to tell about her experience. Like, what did you like? What didn't you like? Um, Would you want to be adopted by an American family? Would you want to be adopted by that American family? And fortunately for us, all of her answers were so positive. It just affirmed to her social worker that we were the right family for her. And she expressed a deep interest um, of being adopted by our family. So we were really grateful that she felt that way and and truly loved being here. That also helps expedite the process. This has probably just consumed your life, I'd imagine, for the past three or four months. Oh my gosh, Nate. It is insane. Like, we eat, breathe, and sleep paperwork. I mean, most people, it takes them almost a year to get through what we're probably going to get through in like four to six months. And it has been awesome. But there's, I mean, there's already been tears, and we're not, (laughs) we're like, right? I know. It's just so overwhelming. And Are you able to talk to her in this time period while she's no. back? Oh, that's, that's, yeah. No, she cannot know. That's hard. She doesn't get to know anything oh, until geez. the official child assignment 
happened. And I, we could be within like a few days of that, by the way. Wow. This is wild. This is wild. This is wild. I mean, this is a this is a topic that I would say a vast majority of people have no understanding of and don't understand how any of this stuff works. Because even probably you guys that always considered it, you didn't know what really went into all this. No clue what what went into international adoption. No idea. Right, internationally speaking, right? It is. Oh my gosh, it is unbelievable, and I think that. I feel a little enlightened by it, like, oh, I do need to tell people about this, and that's why every chance I get, I am, like, pimp and kid save everywhere I can, because <laughs> I think they're yeah. amazing, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to, like, try to make this into something, it's, I don't, it'd be a disservice for me to not be honest, like, the, it's daunting, sure. and there have been times when we're like, okay, are we nuts, this is crazy, what are we doing? Have, have you talked about this on the radio? Happened. Have you shared this? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's moments where you're like, I, "Okay, this is stupid. What are we doing?" So <laughs> there's the paperwork. There's, you know, the the cost. Forget it. I mean, international adoption, and I and I'm not um, dropping figures to make myself look good or feel better. I'm dropping figures that you can get on any um, adoption agency's website. This is not private information. Sure. But an international adoption ranges between thirty-five and fifty-five thousand dollars on average. Wow! So it is very expensive. It is the the process is very invasive, um, and I can see why a lot of people who might go, "Gosh, I really want to do that," they would start looking more closely at it and be like, "Okay, we're not doing that." I totally get it. It is it is really something, and we're just talking about before she gets here. Once exactly. she gets here, we're talking about a child who's coming from a really hard place, who has not had an easy life. Yeah, so she's and, and gonna I, have uh, you know needs that have to be met. One hundred percent. And to go further down the line, which we don't need to get into all the details and all the challenges that, of course, just raising kids have come with it. Right. <laughs> On top of that, I mean, you guys are going to be faced with certain things like. Uh, uh, you know the identity issues that you may face with a child internationally who comes in and, and doesn't look like you guys or doesn't maybe sound and talk like you guys right away um, as she gets older might, might have things that she wonders like what happened to my child you know there's a whole host of things absolutely that I think to your point make people skittish about even going down this path even though it's a beautiful thing to do exactly and you know my pastor actually said something so beautiful like when I was talking to him like oh my gosh I feel nuts um, and my pastor also has adopted uh, three children two domestic one international and he looked at me and he was like Leanne adoption is not for the faint of heart like it's mm-hmm. just not it, it takes a certain grit and, 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 and again if you share our beliefs it takes a certain amount of faith you, you sure. must step out in faith and just trust God's got it. <laughs> You're like, is, oh my gosh, I what if you, he ain't got it? <laughs> <laughs> well, but we'll have to figure it out then, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I give you guys a ton of credit. That is so beautiful. And if you guys, when you do find out that she is going to be ultimately your daughter, then how long until, what's the what's the final process about, like? Yeah, so hopefully within the next week, we get the official child assignment. By the way, we've received everything else that has given us the green light mm-hmm. um, other than that official assignment. 
once that happens, um, I want to say there's only, seriously, this is, sounds hilarious coming out of my mouth. I think there's only about 10 more pieces of paperwork after that. <laughs> and then once that's done, um, I think we're looking at about 60 to 90 days before we travel. Okay, so you guys would have to go to South America. I yeah, have, and we'll, yeah. we get to stay there for three weeks. You have to stay there for three weeks, as, as if you haven't done enough to prove yourself yet. Then you have to stay <laughs> there for three weeks, and what is that? Just to, just to like a transition out out of her country. Um, no. The way I understand it is, um, like when we get there, there's kind of like um, when we land, there's going to be like this gotcha day, which means that Colombia is going to make us her temporary custodians. And then we basically go through their court system. Like, we've already let the U.S. Embassy in Bogota know that, hey, we're adopting, so you're going to see us and soon asking for a passport for this little Colombiana chick, so get ready. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that whole thing. But then we have to travel to a different part of the country. Uh, Bogota is really high in the mountains, but there's another place called La Mesa, which is another court system which is actually going to be where she becomes our legal daughter this is where she takes our last name this is where like we have everything we need to then go back to the embassy and get all the paperwork and all the things we need to leave the country with her so wow. it doesn't shock wow. me that that's going to take three weeks no um i've had other friends who've adopted from china and kazakhstan and guatemala and I mean, everybody's got weird rules and regulations. It's, yeah, yeah. It's wild. Wow, that's incredible. Like I said, I give you guys a ton of credit. God willing, in the next three months, she is back here with you. And yes. you guys could finally start this this next part of your life with her. And uh, obviously, I don't know you guys that well, but I'm pretty sure she's... I, I'm very sure that she's going into a beautiful situation. So I hope Aww. it works out for you. And, Thank you uh, so much. Now, was one of the prerequisites for her. She had to like country music. So <laughs> um, no, but get this: when she was here, I don't know um, if you know the song by this um, country artist name. It's a Blanco Brown. It's like oh yeah, you gotta do the, the, two the get the get up, the get up. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So she loved that, and she would just watch <laughs> the video over and over. She thought that was so. You're funny. like she's in. She's in. Right. <laughs> Sign it her. was really cute that she yeah. was, she made the connection to what I, what I do for a living versus like my son, like most of his life, it just didn't connect. He just was like, oh, okay, I don't know what my mom does. Oh, wait, I kind of know what my mom does. Oh, no, I get what my mom does. Right. But with her, she is old enough to where she's like, oh, she does something on the radio. That's kind of neat. And I could almost see the kind of. Ooh. Yeah, like that's cool. That's, fun. that's really cool, like, yeah. Well, you might think it's cool, but you're not doing radio, sister. Yeah. You're a real job. Speaking of, real quick, I, I mean, uh, uh, you've been doing the radio thing for how long now here in Cleveland? Oh, my gosh. That's like asking a lady her age. <laughs> it's, um, it's not. I said, I, wait, wait a sec. I said here in Cleveland. You, you missed that part. <laughs> right? Because you could have been doing radio, and I know you were, prior to Cleveland for a while. Like, you left for a little while, so... Uh, I so did. there, nobody's gonna know your age because that's so. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing radio for over twenty years. Wow. Okay. Um, I will say this though. Um, I did start freakishly early. I was nineteen mm. when I went on the air for the first time, 
So um, I have been doing it for a really long time, the last 10 years in country. Okay, so you have you been with 99.5 the entire time? The last 10 years. Yeah, the last 10 years, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, uh, a cool experience, I'd imagine, over the last 10 years. You've probably got to meet a ton of people, interview people that you probably never imagined you'd be talking to. Yeah, so radio and television present a really unique opportunity to um, rub elbows with with real celebrities because, um, you know, they ultimately use us to uh, promote their next project and, Mm -hmm. you know, their next way of making a living. So we we do find ourselves in situations with really famous people all the time. Um, To be honest, after so many years of doing it, just like anything else, it kind of loses its shine. Mm -hmm. There there comes a point where you're just like, okay, great. (laughs) Right, right. It just it becomes that, and you miss those days where you used to get the butterflies. And, Ooh, I want to meet so and so, and now it's like, well, do I really want to meet that person? Or are they going to shatter what I think of them? <laughs> right, that's the ruined. problem. They say don't meet your heroes because they'll let you down. Right? right? Yeah, that's yeah. a true statement. I, I read that one of your favorite people that you've ever interviewed was Garth Brooks. Yes, sir. Why? 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 What about Garth was special? Um, gosh, that's such a hard question. It's like, what isn't there that's not It was special. like the, the whole thing was great. The whole... Yeah. But, but why him? I mean, what, what was it just... What was different about him? Well, probably because of what... If something funny happens, and I'm sure you, you kind of experience it too with your podcasting. You will meet certain people, and you'll have a chance to interact and interview certain people. And you can just feel like an energy there is something special about that particular human being yes and i think like with garth for instance because he's so iconic because he he because he is who he is um a lot of times people miss truly how special he is like yes i love his music yes he's great in concert but they don't realize the human being that's that's down beneath that superstar and like even the first time i ever talked with him he and i had like a 10 or 15 minute side conversation we had both lost our mothers at that point and like we were both practically crying like it's a crappy club to belong to man you know and just sharing that moment like he doesn't know me from anybody but he chose to like bond with me over this like really really sad loss that we both had experienced and shared and Interesting. just his down to earthness um his humility yeah you know it's that connection Google, it's that intangible connection feeling yes yeah. and this is somebody worth i don't know he's got to be worth 90 100 million dollars i mean this is a mega 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 rich person oh for sure At but least. if you didn't know that you would think you were talking to like the nicest Walmart greeter you ever met. No, oh, that's beautiful. Like, he is amazing. It, but you know what? That there he is, and I, I'm sure he is, and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way when they meet him. But it takes two to tango, and obviously you made him feel connected too. Not just because he has that personality to connect doesn't mean he's going to connect with everybody he talks to. So I'd imagine that whatever you did and and whatever the energy was you were giving in these different situations that you guys were able to kind of have something in common and similar, that that probably played a part in it. So. Oh, well, thank you. I do think that over the years, um, you just develop, like you just decide what are you going to present to the people 
that are dropped into your world. Uh, you know, a lot of, I've worked with other radio personalities. They're like, hey, so when's your next album coming out? I'm so excited about your next collaboration. Yeah, I know. I know. They get asked that a million times a day. They know that you're just another radio or TV person asking them radio and TV questions. Yep. But when you're able to like dig deeper and, and really find something that they're like, wow, like one time Cindy Lauper was in my studio, completely like girls just want to have fun, Cindy Lauper. She was in my studio, different station, different time. And as we were leaving, she shook my hand and she was like, you are a great conversationalist. Thank you so much. It was one of, like, I had all kinds of feels about that oh, I'm moment. Oh, sure, yeah. Because I was like, thank you. Because it wasn't about, oh, I, I want to make sure I ask you the shocking question. And what about this? And tell me your favorite <laughs> yeah. color. And if you were a tree, what kind of tree yeah. would you be? Oh, my gosh. Shut up. They well, just want to talk. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's why you're fantastic at what you do, and and uh, yeah, it is. It takes it takes a person. It takes somebody that knows, that's got social awareness, emotional intelligence, and the ability to just converse. Yes. And that's what these people absolutely. want. They don't want the robotic shit, you know, all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, and when I think of Garth, I think of a big military supporter, and today happens to be Veterans Day. Um, yes. So. With that said, what what exactly what does Veterans Day mean to you? I came from a, a kind of military family. Not that I grew up uh, a military brat, but um, like I had a I had a grandfather who served, a cousin who I was close to who served. Both of those guys, Army, an uncle who was in the Navy, and also my brother served in the Army. So my family has always been uh, very like very supportive of. Um, you know, veterans and that how freaking poorly our country treats our veterans. And um, this has always been a day for me to bring attention to that. I, you know, typically I wasn't on the air today. I will be tomorrow, but um, I, I did mention on my social medias that I, I wish we took better care of them. I wish that half of the effort and the energy that's given to you know, whether it's other leaders or other issues that isn't worth it. Uh, I wish it was given to our vets. What happened with your brother? So my brother um, served in Desert Storm. And when he came home from the military, he it's kind of that old stereotypical um, story. Like he came back different from the war. He just was different and it would be years before we would find out that um, his post-traumatic and um, just other uh, mental health issues that he suffered with were were beginning to take him down so um, he he ultimately I'm trying to decide how I should share this appropriately I've, I've actually really never told this full story in this way but um, he was he was definitely struggling with mental health issues. Let me just put it like that. And in September of 2015, um, my brother jumped off of a bridge in Los Angeles. And it's really heavy. And I'm sorry, I just dropped that bomb on you like that. But um, ever since then, I've been really like, okay, I'm going to start being more vocal about us taking care of the men and women who sacrifice everything 
and the war and the service and what they go through completely destroys their spirit and their mind and sometimes their health and then we drop them back into society and they're like okay you know now go back to normal and they can't they just they can't so I've tried to bring as much awareness as I can and again working through my own grief and in my own time you know the first couple of years I actually couldn't speak a word of it mm-hmm. I it just was it was too much but over the past year or so I've been trying to take the the platform that's been given to me and, and just talk about um, mental health awareness and how many like we, we lose 22 vets a day 22 vets a day take their lives Jeez. because they just don't see the way out mm. and they're not gonna try to um they can't they they have convinced themselves and the mental illness has has um that has defeated them and that there's no way out wow. and you know our country is not really that we are not inclusive to them like we kind of like oh well you go figure it out i mean the fact that there's homeless vets how is that not a crime how is that not a crime that there's homeless vets i mean if anybody deserves free housing and free food and free everything for the rest of their lives it's those people yes you are 100 percent right and the system seems to have fallen short in terms of what is it rehabilitation better mental mental health services i mean right. is that what they're, they're just lacking that uh that 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 step in the process of like rehabilitating these people back to some normalcy is that where you see a big gap i do see a big gap with like the the services that are being offered to them i don't believe they're not comprehensive enough okay i feel like just like anything that's government funded it is bottom of the barrel it's scraps. They're not getting the best of the best. Yet they gave us the best of them. I, I just, I don't get mm, that. Mm. And not to mention the, you know, like for instance, let me give you another um, yeah, kind please. of, we felt, we felt like we were just, like they just spat in our face. Like when we went to order his tombstone, because my brother loved serving the military and the army was a part of his identity. And so we all agree he would love a military headstone yet they would not give our family one because he didn't die while he was actively in duty. Oh, like, geez. what is that? <laughs> like, if you serve, like, here's a rock. You know what I mean? Here, have a rock. You served our country. Wow. If that's what you want. So it just, the bureaucracy and the ridiculousness of how we treat our veterans is sickening. Wow, that's uh, that's disappointing to say the least. Um, yeah, but these people are putting their lives on the line for us, and you're right. No, no, but anybody that's ever put their line on the lives for for freedom, for our freedom, yeah, should never be living out on the streets for the rest of mankind. I mean, that just is that it. That should be a crime. Something's exactly. something's wrong with the system in that regard. And I appreciate you. Uh, it was ironic, and I saw your post, and I and I was like, "Wow, today is Veterans Day." I knew we were going to do this podcast, and I'm just grateful that you're willing to uh, to share about share some of this now. Oh no, thank you again. Thanks for letting me speak about it, and um, I hope I I hope you know again. I've never spoke quite so direct 
way about the way my brother passed. Mm-hmm. So if you hear a little quiver in my voice, that's all that is. <laughs> it's still it's still raw yeah. four years later. Of course, but of course. I just I want to start having the courage to just say it. Yeah, and well, it makes you feel better too. I'm sure. You know, you'll go to bed tonight probably feeling a little bit different than you have. Just being able to verbalize it. Sure. Well, publicly, anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, publicly, sure, sure. Right. But, right. you know, just like anything else, I mean, that's what I love about this platform, and that's what's so cool about what you guys get to do, is that you can kind of just let things off your chest and learn from people and converse. I mean, it's a it's a healthy way to uh, to live every day. Yeah, I mean, that's why, that's why radio is still such a viable medium. You mm-hmm. know, there were years ago people thought that terrestrial radio, which is what we do, you know, not satellite radio. They thought terrestrial radio was on its way out. Like, yep. hey, well, there's no room for you guys anymore. The the 1960s, 70s, and 80s DJ is out. And over and over again, research has shown that in the end, the listener wants connection. They want human connection. And you're not going to get that from a streaming service. You're not going to get that from Pandora. You're not going to get that from da like you're gonna get it from somebody who seemingly is like you from the same town you're from, who grew up loving the Browns. You know, we can make <laughs> jokes about Cleveland, right? But you can't make jokes about Cleveland. You yeah. know, like <laughs> well, I'm here. We can crack on our city all we want, but don't you talk about my kid brother? Exactly. You know, so I think that in the end, radio will always win. It continues to be like just this powerhouse. With uh, with getting revenue streams out, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not going anywhere. No, even it's not. People really thought it was. No, it's not. It's not going anywhere. I mean, it's still yeah. so much bigger than podcasts are getting big, and they're nowhere near the market share of radio. Not even close. Right. Not even right. close. Radio is going to be around for a long time. It, I think you're and, right. And I hope that you're going to be around for a long time at 99.5 because you do a phenomenal job and uh, really appreciate you coming on, sharing all this different insight into your life, your crazy life, I should call it these days. <laughs> it really is a Jeez. crazy life, right? <laughs> what a beautiful story that you have in terms of uh, this adoption process and wishing you all the best with that, and we will stay in touch. Awesome, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon, Leanne. You bet. Okay, bye.